0: Yes. They've searched everywhere, ma'am. There's no one. I see.
1: Mrs Mills? Yes, ma'am. Do you have any idea what this might be? Oh, it is a photograph album, ma'am. No, but look, they're all asleep. They're not asleep, ma'am. They're dead.
0: It is a book of the dead. In the last century, I
1: believe they used to take photographs of the dead in the hopes that their souls would go on living through the portraits.
0: They're even group portraits Hmm. and children. Uh Oh.
1: Grief over the death of a loved one can lead people to do the strangest things. No,
0: be afraid. Be very afraid. There's nothing to fear except God. Whatever that means to you. Do I look like someone?
1: a podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is the fear of God. Hello and welcome to the podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse. And typically with me is fellow co-host, co-host. I don't know what a co-host is, everyone, but a fellow co-host, Reed Lackey, was here. Um, you know, he was, he was here, but he seemed He seemed kind of worked up y'all, a little emotional. He was rocking in place and he kept murmuring, this is our podcast. This is our podcast just over and over a little creepy, A little creepy, to be honest, coming from old Lackey. Hopefully he'll be present of mind and present of person again soon. In the meantime, allow me to welcome you back into our series on learning how to lose titled In the morning. This series is meant to help us meditate on loss as we navigate life inside of a pandemic, giving even deeper resonance to our regular mantra of assessing what scares us in order to find what saves us. But as per usual, I'm getting ahead of myself because here at The Fear of God, we explore. We don't explain, except for right now. When I explain that you can listen to The Fear of God at your nearest podcast platform, you can watch The Fear of God. On YouTube, and you can browse the fear of God on the web at the podcast.com wherein you will find episode archives and merchandise, including cell phone cases, t shirts, campaign buttons, face masks. Thank you to those of you, some of you who just recently bought, bought face masks, magnets, pillows. Read, Riri, welcome. Where did you go? There you are. Hey, brother. Are you okay? That was a little creepy there for a minute. Are you mad?
2: I am your co-host.
0: <laughs> you co-hosted with the most. Busted.
1: It's co co with the most. you Mr. Rouse. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome
2: back, Riri. Thank you. It's good to be back. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice.
1: Would you like to? Uh... Let's see, business section. Ooh la la. What do we got here? Bad. <laughs> <That. laughs> Was perfect. I feel like <laughs> I don't know. That feels like something I would have done. And so I'm so really happy that it <laughs> happened from you. Uh, <laughs> yes. Thank you, Reed. Thank you, Beetlejuice. Um, so listeners, we've got just two announcements for you here one from me, one from Riri. Um, we are still crowdsourcing these audience watcha watchins. We're gonna have one today from a longtime listener. Thank you, longtime listener. Um, you guys got a taste a couple weeks back. We've gotten several others in. We are building a catalog of you lovely people. Yes, you right now, in your car, Blake, or at your work, Blake, <laughs> listening to this podcast. Blake, he's so faithful. <laughs> uh, he, he hears it before we do. I don't know how he does that, but he I really know, does. I know. I mean, it's Tuesday, 6 a.m. Blake's like, good episode, boys. I'm <laughs> like, thanks. Thanks. How did you pull that off? <laughs> it's so awesome. It's so <laughs> awesome. Even, hasn't even posted yet. <laughs> we just put the finishing touches on the edit. Um, regardless, <laughs> we are crowdsourcing listener versions of the what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're listening to jingle would love to have you, listener, uh, you and your spouse, you and your family make it a family affair. You and your cul de sac, you know, you can practice a little physical distancing. You know, just turn that memo on, hold it out, and have a crowd sing into it. Don't get too close to each other. But, you know, we want to hear from you. We want to hear you and hear from you. Record that on your voice memo recorder, your voice memo recorder, <laughs> and send it to Fear of God podcast at gmail.com <laughs> it's gonna be one of those nights everybody read the voice in the house the, the verse in <laughs> the house <harsh>, you're <laughs> um you know i so we want people to send their audience that's the note yes, that is the please. call to action send your yes. audience stuff Yes, i want you to get to your audience note too read i had such a great swell of empathy for you listening to last week's episode <laughs> 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 listeners won't know but on a par unequaled in maybe our three plus year history we had technological gaps plenty. on top of that Nathan was a bit of an emotional wreck on top of that because of my emotional wreckness I was just out of my head and we had a guest in the form of longtime friend of the fog Ian Olson he and I are prone to jump into the silly pool and poor Reed is just just <laughs> Desperately trying to like, like like Sandra Bullock on that river with two blind kids, you know, blinded kids or whatever it was. I don't remember that time movie. Just trying to get to the other shore.
2: <laughs> boy, boy, don't make me sick, Sean Club Van Dam on you. Okay. It's,
0: it's gonna happen. <laughs> Anyway, so oh, yes, man. I had a
1: great, yes. I had a great swell of affection and empathy for your experience on last week's episode. Mm, much appreciated. Anyway, so much appreciated. Audience, uh, send us your what you're watching. What you got, Riri
2: so just like you had a big uh, tremendous emotional reaction to last week's episode we are presuming based on some of the feedback we get that sometimes you the listeners also get certain reactions either it sparks some thought or it sparks some feelings uh it moves you inspires you is whatever now we ask every single episode in the in the closing credits we ask for an itunes review an apple podcast review and those are fantastic we love those please by all means share those but more importantly than that how listeners can find out about the show is by your good word of mouth. And so what we're asking for in this one is, particularly focusing on the month of August, we are asking you uh, in a way that we're, uh, pit, in a pithy way, titling Sharing is Caring. Um, if you have heard an episode in 2020, or shoot, if you've heard one, you know, uh, further than that, something that's just really resonated with you that you want to share about, Share it to your socials and tag us in it. There is a contest associated with this, so there is a reward, a a benefit, if you will, for doing this, but more more than anything, we just wanna hear from you. So there's two main things. First of all, we want you to share to whatever social media platform you have, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever the kids are doing these days. So share it to the socials and tag us in it. Otherwise, we won't know that you shared it, and that would be a real shame. The other thing that we want you to do is email us, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com, and you can perhaps get maybe a little bit more personal if you want to. Just tell us something if you enjoyed a conversation, thought a moment was funny, um, liked a thought, uh, maybe disliked a thought, and wanted to challenge it a little bit. Whatever it is that. No, 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 come on. The like,
1: okay, okay, okay. dialogue, okay? The dialogue. <laughs> So, I, right, I'm just not sure I want people to be like, "Hey, this spirit of God' thing." Everybody, <laughs> that Nathan's an idiot. Tag contest
2: entered. <laughs> yeah, you can disagree with us in the email, but don't disagree with us on social media. That'll okay. Good. Yeah, That'll yeah. That, that's
1: yes. That's That'll all I was sort of critiquing there. Yes.
2: That'll just get weird. Um, but no, by all means. So, so share us on social media. Uh, share an episode. Share a comment. Share the show in general. uh Share us on social media. Tag us on social media when you share it, and then by all means, email us uh, and get a little bit more personal if you want to, but sharing is caring. So through the month of August, um, we're coming up on, I can't believe it, 200 episodes, and the month of August will also mark our fourth, one, two, three, fourth anniversary, which is absolutely crazy when I think yes. about it. So- um, Is it, are we yeah. entering, but- wait, It'll be four we're years. entering the fourth year. No, we're entering right. the fifth year. We will have been doing it for four years. Yes, (laughs) we will have been doing it for four years once August comes around. So, uh, yeah. When the man comes around. That's nuts. Oh, I love that song. So, yes, uh, sharing is caring. Share to us on social media. Email us. That would be really very much appreciated. Any other comments, Nathan? In that case...
0: It's
1: showtime.
0: That was so high-pitched. (laughs) <laughs>
1: that was so just trying to just trying to vary up the bit, buddy. We're trying okay. to vary up the bit Speaking of varying up the bit
0: What you watching what you reading
1: oh, What you're listening to that. That's awesome.
2: <laughs> that is from uh, our longtime listener friend Dino, uh, host over at the Huh Podcast. So you can, by <laughs> all means, go check him out. But he is was, a long time
1: listener. Thank you, Dino. Thank is. you for responding yes. with
2: that loveliness. Like that
1: was like funk. I was like, was like oh,
2: I know. That was a real it. sexy groove, man. Like that was really like in the pocket. A funky fog. It was a funky <laughs> fog or a foggy funk. I don't. I'm not. I'm not really quite sure. Don't say it too many times too fast. Yeah. <laughs> That'll get weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, Nathan, why don't you, why don't you regale us with what, what you've been watching, reading, listening to. Is the
1: plan to do another one next week also? Uh, Likely not. Oh, okay. Well, good. Then I will, I'll uh, do a twofer here. So I mentioned, Sutherland. (laughs) no, I am Dr. Schwieber and the monsters have enlisted me in their clandestine work.
2: (laughs) The direction he got for Proyus was clearly like, can you be a troll? Can you do that? Can you just, can you just kind of, what's your best troll impression? What can you do there? So yeah, that was it. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So. I believe I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I had begun and want to close the knot or untie the knot. I can't remember the exact verbiage they use in it on a dark season three. I did finish dark season three. All right. um, right. And I was a bit trepidatious going into it, but I enjoyed it. I am withholding the bulk of the thoughts because there aren't a ton yet. Please do. uh, for the possibility of not just you watching it, for the maybe possibility of us getting back to it. Hey! Okay. Returning to old Wyndon. Hmm. I have
2: one very deliberate question. I'm gonna ask it deliberately, okay. and I want a Was deliberate is das. answer. Was ist das? Yes, they do um, say that a lot. <laughs> good. Um, my <clears throat> question is, I, I, I'm not interested yet in finding out whether you were satisfied with the ending, or whether the film had a concrete resolution. The not TV interested show. in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a TV show. It's essentially a, you know, thirty-hour film, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> tomato, tomato. <laughs> so, but uh, I do want to know: Did they pull any version of in the last final seconds? I'll relate this to the most recent series finale of X Files, where in the final few seconds they throw like a curveball that you just know they're never going to resolve because that's the end of it. Um, without describing whether or not they you know resolve all the plot threads do they end on one of those frustrating sort of
1: notes it is it it is it is a closed loop
2: it is a closed loop perfect that's all i I mean
1: great what what i haven't done a ton of research on this yet so there's no like spoilers attached to this comment but the my understanding based on listening to some other pop culture podcast conversations about dark is they set out with a three season arc in mind um you know I, i do think. I can't remember is I think one ep season one is 10 or 12 episodes. It's at least 10, um, whereas 10, two and three are eight. So mm-hmm. there's a world where I think maybe they could have benefited from another episode or two per season. Um just, cause oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Season three, you know, I mean, you're, if, if, if it felt like, and it did to me, if it felt like season two stood in place, a decent amount, mm-hmm. season three is like, uh, Oh my God, this is moving at blazing speeds. And my head is not, gonna stop spinning until the end
2: it's like that roller coaster that right <laughs> after the you know it gets to the on-ramp it pauses you for a second and then just takes off like a rocket that's exactly so it's like uh, season one we're we're moving up to the season two season three
1: that's what i will say i will say this uh to uh, a a positive and a neutral the positive is i did enjoy three more than i was worried how am i trying to say that i didn't love two and was worried okay mm-hmm. am i just going to watch 3 to check a box it did not have that feeling so that is good awesome. um that said i still love the intimacy of dark season 1 and they just don't ever really do Understood. that again yeah. which is okay. is what it is the show the show basically becomes a zero and a one yeah, um okay. but so that was one that was so dark 3 was one do you have one or 2 i can i'm happy to defer to you for a moment i i, I have well, I'll, I'll, one I have one. We'll go do your one. I'll sandwich. Okay. <laughs> hey. <laughs>
2: so. That's a fun. So I just I just have I just happened to have it right here um, because Nathan, I just yeah I have one thing to say. We, my wife and I, uh, if if you if you were mad if you were frustrated that I completed the leftovers, you know, without you, well then uh, we had to go back I'm, I'm, because me yeah. because we
1: <laughs> look at me we- and read we- friendship <laughs> <laughs> friendship is just a word to me it's not a substantive thing
2: why would anybody brag about that like why would anybody want look at me friendship is just a
1: word blah 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 right um, that's my point it's like yeah you know, it yes. doesn't mean anything just,
2: um so yes we are we are watching Lost. Uh, we started like yesterday and are already midway through season two. That's an exaggeration. Um, I was going to say that's wow. <laughs> no, we we started. Is your child eating? <laughs> no, He doing okay. for himself.
1: Right. Like their priorities. Dar- Dharma brand
2: <laughs> ranch dressing. So um, yes, the uh, <laughs> we started a little over a week ago as of the recording, uh, and we are more than halfway through season two right now. I I tell ya, man, it's like you, man, which means you are.
1: You are, are you at the tailies yet?
2: They've well been established. Yeah. Yeah. Where we are. How early is that into it's like second episode into, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I should say this, the second episode into, they show up, they begin to be unpacked in episode three. So, um, so what's happening is yeah. just, just warm my heart with, Oh man. So we had a couple of frustrating episodes cause I had forgotten how much of a ringer season two puts some of our beloved characters through. Like, there's some rough stuff with Charlie. Uh, you know, there's sure. lots of divisions going on with different people. Uh, the, even the integration of the tail people, with the exception of, you know, Libby and Bernard, uh, and even, like, I'm very fond of Mr. Echo. But, uh, you know, that's, that's a frustrating dynamic, you know, because of all the trauma that they went yeah. through and the disruption and everything. It's, it's, it's difficult. But the episode that we just watched... Um, was an episode called uh, one of them featuring the introduction of as we know him now as we know him at this point in the show as henry gale but who is one of the most compelling characters in any tv show ever anywhere in ben i'll
1: give give this what you're watching a pass considering its connectivity to our our tv guide posts (laughs) it is fun to just know where lindelof has come by the way I don't know if you saw this, uh, Watchmen earned like a dozen Emmy nominations. I did see that. Yeah. Well, well-deserved. Very, Very nice. Very cool. Mm-hmm. It's just so interesting to know, because I, I, I don't know if you did this specific thing, but I listened pretty intently to the official Lost podcast when it was airing. And, At you the know, time I didn't kind of consumed a lot of the ancillary stuff. I didn't do any of the little side games and stuff. I, I mean, just more like interview type stuff. Sure. And <clears throat> it's just always fun to to look at the creative genesis of the ongoing process of that show and the mercy they were at of the form and structure right and and just for good or ill um anyway we, we i mean we could spend 20 minutes sitting here but um well good for you I'm glad Henry Gale has yeah made him way, his way back into your life you know I didn't I'm not rewatching Lost with you which I'm Sad about however uh my children tonight at the dinner table uh one of my middle children one of my middle children my middle child (laughs) is named Many middle children there's so many (laughs) (laughs) these days they're all just a blur it's just like how many of you are there line up for a second so i can count it (laughs) one of my one of my children is named for a lost character the middle one and um and she was kind of inquiring about that and it just pinged for me in a in a real tangible way like you know what they could probably like like reading potter with the eldest a number of years ago the good thing about starting something like this is it would stretch for quite a while you know it's sure. not like oh yeah mm-hmm. you know you might do a few in a weekend in this scenario but the, the amount of content is a lot and that pilot is so strong i'm sure it'd be real gripping to them it's fantastic
2: <clears throat> yeah, it was uh, it's interesting. You know, you have a child named after a lost character, my child is named after a lost character. Yeah. So when the uh when my son heard his namesake in the show, uh he he perked up really bad. He was like, Oh, oh, wow. And he, Lapidas he <laughs> <laughs> Lapidus lackey. Lapidus
0: lackey. <laughs>
2: I know my, I know my pet's <laughs> name now.
0: Lupitas. <laughs> Lupitas la, la <laughs> la, la <penis> Lackey. <laughs>
1: Whoa, that was fantastic. Sometimes the jokes just make themselves. Um, <clears throat> and I'm here for it. Speaking of what I'm here for is also, by the way, Riri, old Tay-Tay dropped a new album out of nowhere called folklore and it's great have you have you, have oh, you spun yeah. Oh, yeah. it you've spun yeah. that I, sp- I- spun it spun it
2: they they spin it man they spin it <laughs> <laughs> they spin it it's great
1: yeah it's it is. it's a, great
2: and it, what's what's interesting I'm not going to steal the thunder on your watch and re- No, to, but I, I was mean, i was i was so uh, I'm used to it <laughs> <laughs> so i was so sort of uh <laughs> uh enlivened by it that it did finally prompt me to go you you suggested this on a watcher me listen to i think a number of episodes ago but uh listened to the album really enjoyed it responded very strongly to it so then i uh watched miss americana and um yeah 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 so oh yeah very 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 very, yeah and i loved i appreciate i didn't quite know what to expect with it but i appreciated how it took through there were some sort of cultural touch points that i knew but was not an active listener to her catalog at the time the kanye thing happened at the time right. you know the big backlash about uh, her entering into politics and stuff like that like sure. i was not an active listener to her stuff i'm relatively well, I'm, I'm very late to the party um but no i i i really think uh, folklore is a very very strong album and i love the way that each album has kind of developed this new layer of maturity. Of course I've I'm saying that as I'm kind of catching up with her catalog in sure. the last year or two, you know.
1: So well um, and to be fair, like I we listened pretty heavily to 1989 when it released, but I had little to no familiarity with previous stuff to that. Mm-hmm. Basically skipped reputation, mainly just cause it felt a little more self serving in its aesthetic than than I kind of was interested in um and miss americana is what opened my eyes back up to lover and i mean in truth in our home we have we have a home pod the little apple speaker thing in the kitchen and if it's been difficult times in our home uh it is Almost unquestionably, the the command of the night is. I'm not going to say it because I don't want one of my Apple devices to respond. But you know the the thing you say to oh, get your Apple right, device right, to respond right. that, and then it's um, play. You need to calm down by Taylor Swift. Oh, and it all just, nice just gets us all in the yeah, in the in the spirits. Like, hey, That's you're having great. a tough, tough time. Hey, yeah. blank, you need <laughs> to play. You need to calm down by Taylor Swift. So yes, we are enjoying it. And folklore is just great. I mean, it's getting a lot of play in our house. My wife digs it. Kids dig it. I dig it. That's has awesome. been another Say It Slow Because You Forgot.
0: What you're watching What you're reading oh,
1: What you're listening to Indeed. That's
2: awesome. That's awesome. <clears throat> And now, ladies and gentlemen, with folklore and lost and dark out of the way, we now invite you to another episode of Hashtag TV Guideposts, where this week we're unpacking one episode of HBO's The Leftovers, the episode titled 1013, which features arguably one of the most detestable characters in the entire show, but still one of the most interesting. At least to me. We'll see what Nathan has to
0: say. Uh,
2: but thank you for joining us for this week's TV Guideposts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 TV
2: Guide. like you, like like you were running on stage to meet.
0: TV Guide posts. Hey, um. Please.
1: A uh, fun little X-Files intersection here. Uh, I know that the show based the sudden departure on the book, which presumably in the book is October 14th. And thus, I believe just it is. by I... virtue of the architecture of the characterization, 1013, we know is a reference to uh, the date of Meg's mother's passing. 1013 is also the name of Chris Carter's production company because it was the birth date oh. of his kid, I believe. Interesting. Um, so at the end of every X Files episode you'll see ten thirteen productions and so
2: interesting.
1: Kind of a little you know a little wink no and a
2: nod. Well so you, I mean, speaking of so yes, this, this episode features the you know, the character I was referencing earlier is is the old character of Meg, played by Liv Tyler, who I adore in everything that she's in, but really struggle with her character in this. Um but uh before we move on, her mom is played by our old friend Doctor Fletcher. From Split and uh, Miss Collins from Carrie, Betty Buckley. Really? Yeah, that's her. Yeah. Huh. She's Doctor Fletcher from. I mean, she's in it for you know four minutes of of screen time, but yeah, that's that's. But Dr. what Fletcher a four minutes? Sp- yeah, no kidding. Uh, but yeah, uh, Doctor Fletcher from Split and Miss Collins from Carrie, and that delighted me because I had I had forgotten uh, until my second time through it that that was that that was. Funny.
1: Um, that is very. Interesting, Uri. Uh You, had, I'm going to ask you a random question here, but knowing Meg's prominence here, I don't think she's the answer to this question. But you, you made a reference, I believe, during No Room at the Inn. You, you, you praised the character of Matt Jameson, but made this coy. Statement that he's not your favorite character, and it's registered for me a couple of times post that conversation, wondering who that is. I don't know that your answer is going to be. That'd be interesting if it was Meg, but I'm just more curious who who you would identify as your character. Oh
2: no, it's Kevin. By oh Oh. okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Like in terms of just like when I when I say favorite, like I'm sort of wrapping it all up into a package of interesting and endearing, and like like Kevin is
1: and just. Attractive <laughs> <laughs> listeners can't see that face he made, but that was great.
2: Um, uh, no, sincerely, like, like he's his arc, even the times where he makes choices that you sort of uh, you know, fall back on, like, oh, I wish you hadn't said that, I wish you hadn't done that. I still I never don't root for Kevin. Like like Kevin throughout the whole run of the show, I just uh I, I him as a character, I just I sympathize with his struggles. I want him to do well. I want things to be okay for him. And it's not that that's not true of other characters, but it's it's more so true. And honestly, first season that might go towards Nora, but the series as a whole is probably Kevin.
1: Cool. Um and yeah, so that's that is good to know. Uh so for 1013 is yes, Meg centric, you know, she appears briefly in episode three or two of this season, uh, when she accosts Tommy in off ramp. So I think that is two actually. Um, and that's it until this episode. And then she gets a full blown uh, installment all to herself. Yeah. And you, I mean, they just go the distance on, committing to her character and this pretty, pretty cool backstory. I mean, whether it's things like she visited Jarden,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: post, mm-hmm. uh, 1014, uh, she visited Isaac. Um, yeah. you know, in this ongoing pursuit of the, the, um, sixth sense ask, what did my mother say kind of right. commentary? Um, you know so we get that flashback we get basically it's just a catch-up that establishes and we can fill in some blanks here but establishes that there is a plot afoot by her doing in and around Jarden, which is i told you this um once we started season two that i couldn't remember all the bits and pieces and this is going to materialize more fully with next week's episode but I couldn't remember all the bits and pieces of the mechanics of season two, but I, I knew about and remembered strongly the the don't look behind the curtain stuff, you mm-hmm. know, which right, is right. the Meg GR plot
0: mm-hmm.
1: and how freaking impressive of a sleight of hand. That whole mechanism is, I mean, oh my gosh, yes. I want um, let's go let's go through some beats because I want to save the 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 final reveal until we get there and can more fully unpack that. But okay, sure. What are what are some specific thoughts or you know cursory or profound?
2: So um, might get into a little profundity in a minute, but 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 on the sort of more surfacey stuff, I do absolutely love the walnuts moment with Isaac because in one of those things, oh, like right, on the, the salad, ver- yeah. yeah because at the very beginning. When John takes him to task, you don't know. You haven't seen him right. in action. So you don't know. He could be a fraud. He could be somebody that, that is just completely a charlatan and, and, and no real substance to him. And so then when Meg is all like, you know, you're not real. You know, th- that's none of this. And then he busts out with that walnuts. She was very polite about it, though. Like, that's just a great moment. I love that. Yeah. Um, I, I'll mention this kind of pivoting out of what I love. Like, I think the scene on the bus with the children and the grenade is almost a Woo. bit too much. That is rough.
1: That is it, it is so I difficult. mean there's there's grenades in a backpack and then there's grenades on a bus full of school yeah. Oh my
2: gosh. Yes. Grenades on a backpack is Duds just or like- not. Yeah, I mean like grenades on a bag in a backpack. That's just like, that's just let plain all fun. Yeah, let's let's <laughs> see what happens here. Let's yeah. just toss these things in here hey, and see see what like shakes a, it's up. Like
1: a, you know? It's like a Hot Potato game or something. Right. Like, hey.
2: Missile missile in the roof from, you know, the the Under the Shadow is like, you know, that's like, oh, I'm I'm about to I'm about to go forth, okay? I've got yeah, I am about to have a teeth monster. I have, I, I have oh, thoughts. A okay. teeth monster. And so um <laughs> but no, like this was this just dreadful. Like Meg Yeah. Man, She's awful. She's just Well, I couldn't
1: remember what happened there
2: when it happened. I was like, oh God, forgot this. <laughs> like, why did I why did I not remember? Did I block this out that all these children? No, it's was, it was pretty awful. Um so so I want to talk a bit about Meg because it's not theme. Um so before we get into maybe that, do you have any sort of cursory stuff before we get up to just like sort of unpacking?
1: Um, as a whole? Sure. Uh Love, love, love! <laughs> Everybody hear that? I love it. Um, I, you probably remember this on the pod, having zero recollection of the seeds of how how in, unintentionally right I was. Evie's pencil joke. Yes. How I made right. a call that that felt gr themed, knowing where the series goes, knowing where the season goes, yep. having zero recollection that she encountered and told her the joke and i was like oh snap no i'm right yeah it's almost like yeah. i watched this show before it's so great. <laughs> <laughs> no man it's like my intuition was correct <laughs> that's it right. is that's what it is that's I what, is what it smart. is, <laughs> I is <kind>. um <laughs> so that's great uh just that interaction they have not only does it pay off that bit but it also plants the seed of the, the bigger picture that's at work mm. fully mm. um I had forgotten the Tommy Laurie stuff in this and Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The the lines I'm going to give these are cursory things, but they're going to undergird, I think where you're kind of aiming. Um, I love when she shows up at the revival and approaches him and just whispers, I can do this for real. I mean, that is, you know, it's, it's, it's not lost on our listeners at this point. What an unabashed Lindelof fan I am. And, and I know he doesn't write literally every line of the works he's associated with, but so he's so good. The people he assembles are so good at not just plot orchestration, but character rooted mm-hmm. dynamics. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, you know, there's so many, t- I, what was that? Oh, we I jumped back into defending Jacob last night, and and a, a, a scene happens between two characters, and and it's again, it's still just as meh as it ever was. But we're gonna finish it because it's where we're at. Um, and a scene happens between two characters, and I was like, that's so generic. That was oh, the the, yeah, yeah, ex- yeah. the lines exchanged right there between lead characters could have been said by any character in any procedure. Yeah, just and notes. sure, yeah, and it. I wasn't even thinking about it attached to leftovers, but using that as an example of. You know, that scene when that character approaches Tommy and says, I can do this for real, like mm. so much is oh, absolutely. yes in those <laughs> five words. I had to count them. <laughs> in those five <laughs> so words. So much is
2: conveyed in those
1: one, two, three, four, five. Okay. Five <laughs> <words>. <laughs> um, so love that scene. And I'll I'll tee you up here. Um, one, just the phrase written here is M- Meg is a master manipulator and has total control of everything. But the, the, the Matt and Meg scene at the end is just uh, ele- elevated. Yes.
2: So I, I have it in my notes. I was going to maybe, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll use it as, a, yeah. unless you had more to say, I'll use it. T- I mean, time. I've
1: got lines of it written down, but no, I'm just yeah. popping us up to talk about that scene. and just then leave
2: the, Oh my gosh. Go. Uh, the, yeah. Because it focuses so much on Meg in this episode that you kind of resign yourself at a certain point that we're not going to get any contemporary engagement sure. with with what's happening. It's you know it just feels like yeah this is just going to be you know setting up to some maybe uh, inciting incident for the finale at the very end. But that'll be at which we do get that. But I love so much that when she's standing in the outskirts of Jarden and I wasn't even thinking about it like. I know he's out there because I've followed the season, but mm-hmm. wasn't, wasn't even thinking about like, oh yeah, like Matt is totally here when he sees her and the history and the connection of the animosity that they've had between each other. Um, and I just love, so Matt does an interesting thing in this season that I don't think he did in either one or three, though I won't mention three at all, is he, t- <laughs> he, um, he totally sort of he's tapped into the reality of people's situations in ways that i think even he himself does not quite quite know again i'm talking about a fictional character here but i'm thinking specifically about the earlier episode when he called nora out for bringing mary to the um the fundraiser and he's like that could be viewed as hostile and she's like why would i be hostile and he said why would you you know like Clearly reading that, yes, she Mm. does have... He didn't know she threw a rock through their window and that she's wrestling with all these feelings, but he's picking up on that. And that been said in this episode, I love that he has totally got Meg's number. Now, he doesn't know what she's planning, because who does? But he totally knows that she's up to something. And I love... I don't know what other lines you wrote down, but I just absolutely love where he says, forgive me for being your living reminder.
1: Living reminder. And it is... Well, it see, what's funny slight. about you saying that because I, I, I'm not at all um, um, challenging that read <laughs> or that read. Or this read. Um, or that, that read. Yes. Um, what I was thinking was interesting about that scene is, one, once more, how good the show is at, at letting us occupy the brain space of a character and at how they sure. perceive other characters. Because I think Matt comes off a little clownish in that scene. I think he is really? being checkmated in that scene. I think I think you are correct that he's he's maybe a little um uh concerned, I think is actually a little strong, but I think he's maybe a little wise to okay, there's something puzzling about you being here, but I think I think she gets the upper hand on him in that scene. Um
2: Oh wow. Yeah, we we, we don't quite agree on that scene, but that I mean that's I mean that's fine. I it's,
1: well, listeners won't know this. We we planned to record the others this episode a while back, and so it's been a little while since I've watched this episode. So I'm I'm just responding one to the notes and the feelings, and the feelings were Matt a little on his heels by that encounter.
2: Man that's that is really interesting. So I don't you know this is not what I want to 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 discuss sure. at length well, about go, with, go with where Ma- you go. No, but all I was, was going to say is just to so you know where my mind is at so that it's not just a a an alternate reading of the film or of the of the scene is the moment that pivots me away and it's actually the moment that's sticking in my mind that's not quite letting me get there to to what you're expressing is when he says bluntly to her I don't think you're being totally honest with me Meg. Sure. And, yeah. And calling her out for that and then following that call out is when he throws the line at her. Forgive me for being your living reminder. I think that's an insult to her. I don't think there's any sort of like, I don't know what else to say. I
1: agree. Well, here's here's the context of that line. Uh, he's apologizing for the flyers about her mom. If you recall from, Mm -hmm. you know, listeners, if you're watching the show at home in season one, when, when they have that real incendiary scene because he's made flyers about her mom, uh, he, he says, he apologizes for that. And then he says, I was just doing everything I could to get you to feel. Mm -hmm. And she says, I had forgotten that. And he says, allow me to be your living reminder. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a world, I guess all I'm saying is, you know, I think, I think in this particular scene, having watched it two weeks ago, it felt to me like he's being truly apologetic with a hint of knowingness, but that I don't know to me, to me watching this episode, you get the impression, Meg, I don't recall the character's last name, but this character Abbott is Abbott. That's right. Is, is who she is at the point we're at is 10 moves down the line you know and just is is this master manipulator of these situations and right. and um but anyway anyway go go well, where you want to yeah
2: cuz cuz we don't disagree about that and that's a that's a good segue like i even though i think matt is more astute in that scene than than then maybe this part is giving him credit for he definitely does not have a hold of like meg's planning something awful And we need to be prepared for that. He's not. He's not tapped in on that. I think he recognizes that she's being dishonest, and 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 I do think he starts sincerely, and then pivots away from that when he realizes, uh, like, oh no, she's she's not. You know, she's not playing above board with me. She's not here
1: on honest terms. Yes.
2: Exactly. Yes. Um, So here is my thesis that I'm going to present. This is the only reason I'm not saving this for like next week's episode uh, where we talk at length about season two and maybe some of it will bleed over there is um, because it's not directly, I think, the theme of the show, although it might be tied more substantially to it than I'm giving it credit for. So the character of Meg interests me profoundly because I'm going to try to make a case as briefly as I can. So, so I'm going to hone in on a scene. When she leaves Jarden, before all of this, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know when she leaves Jarden and she's still engaged to her fiance and all this stuff She spits on the ground before she leaves, right? Mm-hmm. And that moment to me indicates that everything we are about to see in the finale We're not talking about the finale right now, but everything we're about to see in the finale is very much Rooted in a personal vendetta sure and and I believe that it's meant to Sort of uh hand out deliver a, a rebuke to everything that the town represents the safety the we are spared all of that. I believe that what she mm-hmm. does is meant to administer a a rebuke to that um, in that sense, I feel like meg's presence in the g r the guilty remnant that she is you called her a master manipulator I agree, I feel like she's using. The guilty remnant as her agent to deliver this much more personal rebuke in other words i don't really consider meg to be a member of the gr she is nominally and she's like the head of a faction and and such but i don't consider her to be an outgrowth of the gr i i'll say it this way she is to me in the show she's an agent of chaos to me, she's not the guilty remnant. She's the Joker. So she is using the platform. The Lido Joker, right? Uh, mm, mm. Had to ruin it, didn't you? So, um, <laughs> so <she's>, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> she's using the platform and the avenue. in me, a, This is my interpretation of her character. Sure, she's yeah. using the platform, the avenue of the guilty remnant as a means to conduct something much more personal. She doesn't believe in the guilty remnants tenants she doesn't she doesn't buy into the cult in my mind she's not she's i mean look she's talking willy-nilly whenever she feels like it and we granted we we heard patty do similar things before that but she's also very you know um like her violent tendencies to towards the rest of them um, the, it, it just feels to me the the pivot away from where she says to Tommy like family is everything instead of there is no family like she just strikes me as somebody well, who's
1: an well, opportunist. One, family is everything yeah. is in the last episode, but um, seeing that's I th- I think uh, I understand what you're saying, and I think it's a fair read. <laughs> um but i don't know if it's entirely consistent in other words i am with you and and you know it's it's clear by the end of this episode so this is not a spoiler for the finale it's clear by the end of this episode that meg has orchestrated a massive plot to Im- impede impair you know kind of wreak havoc on jarden so that's not spoiling anything um so yes she's on the great lengths to make this happen but I don't, I, I personally having finished season two now, I don't see the entire arc of Meg as we've seen her about, uh, uh, uh shaking her fist and more at Jordan because, mm-hmm. because I think that would, I'm with you. It's clear, you know, that scene with Isaac or the scene immediately after Isaac carries a lot of weight for her, which is what circles her back to this. But I don't, I think, I think it's a little asynchronous to the Meg of season one, not personality type, but intentionality to say mm-hmm. her, it was all about getting back and, and effing with um, Well,
0: No.
2: And so, so that you don't misunderstand me, I'm not saying that she, when she showed up at the guilty remnants door in season one, I'm not saying that she had Jarden in mind then. Sure. What I am saying is that I think she went into it, and I think she in season one we see her as we see her in the backstory of this one, beginning to try to cope and beginning to try to come to something that that is going to replace everything. And that's why she gets so frustrated that things are not moving along faster in season one. That's why she gets so frustrated, and she like, you know, she's pushing back a lot with Lori, and then Matt. In season one, pushes her over the edge with the whole mother stuff, right? And I think here's what's really interesting about it is I think what Matt did worked because at that moment in season one, when he distributes the flyers, and then she just beats the fool out of him and and then just abandons all of it. She keeps the only <laughs> the only thing at that point that she's still guilty remnanting is the smoking and the wearing white. Like now she's just sort of abandoning all of that piece of things and i feel like that is is something that pivoted for her and from that point on she is now
1: much more anarchistic she well, i but i think it's anarchistic to me in the to you know this is not a a dictionary thing this is more just sort of sense would imply zero plan just pure you know, as you'd use the phrase chaos agent, whereas I think to me, Meg is just the distilled evolved version of what the GR was in just at it. So in other words, um, and I, I think, I think what's fascinating about this is this conversation is about ideology and the GR is an ideological entity right right and right. because if you think about it you made an, a real astute observation about bottom of the well patty and that her the the signal to her of power was silence right mm-hmm. and so by a certain token is just silence the benchmark of the GR? No. Patty Patty had that germ of a thing that gave her power that she now applied to the ideological stream that was happening in the GR. The GR ultimately was in their standard practices neutral, but trolls. The GR are they are they're religious trolls. And I don't I mean that with every ounce of intention I can. Sure, sure. Because by the same token, I mean, what they do in season one to that town is, is in its incendiariness on par with just, just a reduced version of what Meg is doing to Jarden, Right? See, yes,
2: but that's the key. That's why I think she's not GR because the GR do that to people who were victims of the departed. They're reminding people for whom somebody departed and Meg
1: is turning her attention. Well, but be careful. But we'll see. I would wonder on that. To me, it's less about it's using the forms of the departed to troll as they do in season one.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm I'm forming these thoughts as I'm I'm verbalizing these as they're being established in my brain. Is the same to me? It's about um, it's Patty in in uh prodigal son returns saying we're just telling you it's over right she's he says what is this about We're we're telling you it's over there's no attachments there's no point to any of this right the way of doing that was establishing simulacrums of departed people the way meg is doing this is saying your holiest of places Mm -hmm. we are going to desecrate to let you know there is nothing left there is nothing to hold on to there is no attachment this, you, you use this phrase, family is everything. She's not validating that. She's using it. She's weaponizing it. Right, right. Anyway, my, my simple point is, to me, I don't read, uh, indeed, in and in fact, she is an evolved uh, uh, expression of. But I think, I think she just took the essence of GR and, and morphed it and, and, and militarized it on a certain level
2: and i and maybe we're not saying terribly dissimilar things cuz yeah. i i think part of the dissection would be is um again i keep but coming back to the, the 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 best comparison i can make is the joker because everybody always kept trying to find out what the joker was about i mean here he is burning i mean but at the same time but at course. the
1: same time at the same time though it felt like you were saying why meg is different is there is an emotional attachment to jordan in other words oh yeah i think it's personal but but i don't think right but nothing was personal with the joker he truly was it's it's not about anything it's about he on a certain level he was gr right like you you know stop holding on to anything um
2: i I mean this is not a conversation about batman but we could unpack (laughs) like we could unpack like like
1: those here i do i
2: do yeah we do um I could unpack the you know specifics in Dark Knight of him targeting uh you know uh Two-Face Harvey Dent like tar- there's right. there was there was calculation there yes. that was that was less than just I'm going to pick random people off the street like I'm not saying she's random I am saying that she's she's not the and and that's why I say maybe we're not saying terribly dissimilar things I feel like she's targeting Jarden because it's personal for her. And again, I go back to the, my my best sort of evidence for this case is that the show is very intentional and it's very deliberate. Sure. And I don't think it's it's meant to be a frivolous moment that she spits on the ground before she gets on the bus. And so I do think Jarden is personal. Now that having been said. Is she sort of seizing the seeds that were there in the ideologies of the GR, and then just, as you're saying, if I'm uh, re-expressing you correctly, exploding them out to their most extreme conclusion? You know, I don't know that I would fight that hard against that, but I think the difference for me is she is not Patty Levin unbridled. She is a very specific thing inside this, you know, this piece of things. You know, I think there would have been any number of other sort of outbursts and and living reminder kind of demonstrations that had been happening from the guilty remnant but this is getting into a little bit of what happens in the finale so maybe we can return to it a little bit more substantially where we can talk about those events in detail but um that is like you look yeah when we get there you look at what happens in that town and it is in direct contrast to season one where they did their thing and then took the retaliation upon themselves sure there is no chance spoiler alert or spoiler hint for next there is no chance Jardín will ever be able to retaliate in and of themselves to what the gr is is being to what meg is about to set up to do right to them. you know they well. will need external forces <laughs> to retaliate um but uh but yeah so i mean that's yeah we
1: no can, i mean i think it's a worthwhile that. conversation i think it's very interesting and if if nothing else it once more validates what we are mutually saying is that this is an eminently fascinating character yeah absolutely uh, Yes, richly absolutely. drawn uh mm-hmm. expertly portrayed i mean live tyler goodness gracious yes, um absolutely. She, she she may physically spit in one scene, but she bites the head off of everybody she's in the scene with. You <laughs> yeah, know? she's yes, absolutely um, volcanic. I mean, yeah. even the scene in the bar where you you as the viewer let your guard down for a yeah. minute. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. Yeah, and she true. just trolls us all.
2: Yeah, that's
1: true. Man, it's powerful.
2: So we should talk about it next week but we cannot leave the episode, of course, without revealing the final oh, sure. five, yeah. five seconds of this episode. It, the, what a killer final moment that is. It's like, amazing. That's, that's
1: just, and, and it's- I it's, remember, it's, I, don't have, I don't think I have this physical reaction, but I remember mentally the jaw drop of
0: yeah. like, oh, my, oh my, gosh.
1: my gosh, I did not see that coming. Right, and, and it's mean, so baked powerful. in. It's yeah. so
2: obvious. Oh yeah, I oh, realize
1: oh, it. Oh yeah, but, it's, but it's all over it.
2: Yes, but it's, uh, yeah, and, and, and what we're referring to, if you have not seen the episode, um, so big spoiler here, is at the end of the episode, Tommy explores this little trailer that's on the grounds near where they are, and as he opens it up, he sees Evie Murphy standing right there in front of him, and he asks who she is. She writes down on a sheet of paper, fully entrenched in the GR mindset. She writes down, it doesn't matter.
1: And oh, and, oh. and Lindelof, in interviews over the years, talks about his style. And I remember him directly talking about the reveal of Evie and the girls in the trailer. And he, he talks about because of his experience on lost, how near impossible it is to fool the audience. And so he does not set out to fool the audience, but there are things in other words, he learned from lost and, and just watching pop culture in general, in its, in its intersection with the internet, the audience will get to your reveal before you will. Yes, of course, and and so you have to be smart. You cannot pander. You cannot placate. And so he talks about how difficult it was to to Trojan horse that in and mm-hmm. to maintain. And that if I remember correctly, he said because I think this is when he was still kind of reading some stuff, but um, that he had seen it once or twice, but that by and large the EB reveal stayed pretty. Uh, uh, hush hush that's awesome. in part because they're so good at stirring the pot all these other directions yes. and have varying via ver- i'm sorry very viable options yes. if viable option a is second departure well now mm-hmm. you spin up all your characters around that possibility and they're pondering and the thought processes and the perspectives right. on if that's possible well now i as the viewer am spun up into that conversation right the other avenue is she ran away okay well is that plausible why would she do that never are you like wait a minute she ran away to join the GR. Like that's a whole extra level. Uh, That's a real, it's a real masterfully executed reveal there.
2: Yeah. It's wonderful. Um, You want to take us out?
1: (laughs) Once more, we close the door on leftover season two, episode nine, as a door opened to reveal a trio of teen girls who have just said to hell with it all. Is Meg uh, an anarchist? Is she the GR resurgent? Is she the GR evolved? Can we ever know? Next week, join us as we have a full episode dissecting episode 10 of Leftovers, season two, here at the Fear of God. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That was good, Read Yes, conversation. I that was that
2: a show. very uh, invigorating conversation. Um, so, this is a landmark, I believe. I would need to listen back to it to know for certain. But yeah. I believe this is a this is a bigger landmark episode than we might realize. Uh, again, I would need to listen Uh-oh. to it back to realize. But I think now with the conversation we're about to have we started this show almost four years ago in august of 2016 right Mm -hmm. and in that pilot episode we rattled off a whole bunch of films that we'd seen that we'd liked that we'd whatever and i believe with the exception of the non-horror themed references that we made like Pee Wee's big adventure and stuff like that (laughs) that with the with the exception of those i think the others which is our discussion on the table today is the last one of those mentioned in that pilot that we have not done a full episode about? Interesting. I think. Can I, I tell I, a
1: funny pee wee joke real quick?
2: Oh, I, I'm always down for those. <laughs> yes, me too. Um,
0: <laughs> when <laughs> you be doing? <laughs> no.
1: Um, recently, or for Father's Day, actually, my wife bought me a bicycle, and I've really enjoyed that because I can't really go to the gym anymore, and that kind of. You know, in full transparency, amongst friends, stopped more or less anyway. But um, wanted some form of exercise. She get, she was able to find me a bike. By the way, those are incredibly hard to find right now. If you didn't know that, um, mm, so she was, she was able to pull that off. And <laughs> after like a day, after a couple of rides, I'd taken some pictures of myself and the girls, and uh, I posted to Instagram. And I was like, you know. Yay, wife got a, got me a new bike for Father's Day and, you know, check this out. And by the way, if you flip to the end, you'll see a cool trick I learned. And I just took a screen grab from <laughs> Pee-wee's big adventure of him on the bike. <laughs> so if you're scrolling and you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, that's, that's awesome. That was a lot of fun. So, uh, anyway, we, uh, back to what you were saying.
2: <laughs> no, that's okay. My my family and I we showed our son Pee Wee's Big Adventure for the first yeah. time during the you know quarantine and everything, and he loved it. It's I mean, it's great. It's so I had forgotten how line for line hysterical <laughs> that movie is. I mean, I, it's I knew it. Great. I knew it, yes, and I knew it was funny, but I had forgotten that. Like, no, no, no.
1: Literally hey, every Oscar other Herman. One, Mr. Herman, you have a call at the front desk. I actually thought about posting the actor who plays uh, P.W. in the movie Uh, within the movie. He's got a beard dark hair. I thought about posting a picture of that (laughs) as me. (laughs) So awesome. Oh,
2: it's so cool.
1: Um, Action-packed,
2: P.W. So, yes, uh, we are not here. I know, I know. We should do a B-side of P.W.'s Big Adventure. I'll invite my son on. That'd be fun. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So... um, so yes, the, the, this,
1: so what, now. Do you say, what do you mean when you say this is the last one? Like we just happen to name some movies that we might like to cover and this is one of them and this is the last to get to. No. So what's interesting is in the pilot, if you listen to the pilot of our show, I try, I um, try not to
2: well, it's, it's fun. It's, but, um, we've
1: come so far.
2: In the, but in the pilot of our show, we just rattled off a bunch of things, you know, films we liked, films we responded okay. to, films we'd seen, whatever, any of that like that. And coincidentally, I remember in one of the very few times I've gone back to listen to it, uh, I remember just making a note of like, huh, okay, we've covered The Exorcist now. Oh, we've covered Psycho. Oh, we've covered The Orphanage. You know, so I was just jotting down like, all of these films right. that we mentioned in that and the one glaring omission was, Oh, we haven't covered the others yet. Cause we do talk very briefly about the others. And, um, and so this, I think marks actually every ref, every film. And, I, and again, I need to go back to it to make doubly sure, but I believe every film mentioned in the pilot, we have now a full episode of conversation about, which is, uh, I, I think that's a little, uh, that's a little cool. Um, but very, uh,
1: very specific landmark.
2: It is. It is. Not many people have it. Um. So, but uh. So you and I saw the others together. Um, did we? We did. That makes yeah. Me smile. Yeah. Now we didn't. I do not believe that it was your first time seeing it. I mm. think you had seen it, knew my affection for horror films, and was like, "We got to go see the others." Now, I uh, some of the details were a little fuzzy. I just remember we saw it in the theater together because I distinctly remember. Having a conversation about it, coming out of the theater, like as our on our way back to our car, mm-hmm. and uh, just sort of dissecting the film a little bit, dissecting um, what
1: scared us to find out what saved us. That's what we did twenty years yeah, ago.
2: Yeah, all of those years ago. <laughs> um, so this actually would have been—that's funny because this actually would have been like in the yeah. early days. O- we would have o- been o- friends, like yeah, but we would have been friends for like maybe a year at that point, maybe two. But um, so so then uh, what's uh, I have not seen this film since the theater. So this was only my second time seeing it. Um, so I was really, really curious to go into it because I'll lead with this, um, and then you can, you're welcome to share your thoughts. I don't really care for the others. And this even is, still? Even still. Even still. Huh. Um, there are things that I respect greatly about it, Appreciate about it. If we do the conversation this way and do our normal sort of formatting I think some of the scares are among some of the most iconic from horror films in the last two decades um, But uh, but yeah, I don't I don't really care for the others and, and I and I know why and some of it's kind of uh, Kind of just you know my personal proclivities and personal attachments and stuff like that But uh, but yeah, I'm not a very big fan of the others now That's not meant to you know set up if we're in terribly disparate places, but I am curious to know like I think you had said at some point maybe either on pod or you and I were talking off pod that you had seen the others I think multiple times like how many times if you know Well
1: um, I mean there was a little run around its release uh clearly I watched it at least twice in the theater Yeah yeah um I mean I remember owning it on DVD <laughs> I don't do that anymore really Um wow. yeah yeah that was this Signature of appreciation. Back um, in the day. Way back when. Remember when we had our apartment <laughs> broken into and they stole all our DVDs and that's oh the only God. reason we discovered that we'd been broken into? So we's, mad We zignet. The window was broken. Our pizza from the freezer
2: was gone. Our laptops were strewn uh, all over the bed. Broken? <laughs> <laughs> our laptops were strewn all over the bed. Everything. No,
0: no that but was gone too.
2: But what clued us in was. Wh- The DVDs were gone. I'll
1: occasionally tell that story. And my wife's like, you are so dumb. You are so dumb. Because, because yes, listeners, Reed and I shared an apartment with a third roommate way, way back in the day. And we came home from an outing to our little apartment in Bowling Springs. Actually it was in Shelby, uh, North Carolina and didn't notice the back window of the back door was broken. Didn't, I mean, you know, I guess we weren't in the mood for Totinos at the moment, so it didn't happen to check <laughs> freezer for frozen pizza. Those yo, our <laughs> burgles burgled they our frozen took our pizza. pizza. They, took they did, man. Pizza, they took pizza man. and DVDs. That's how you know you stumbled into a college apartment. You're like, okay, this is all this is all I'm gonna find here. So I better <laughs> take it and go. But yeah, I remember looking over to the uh the little the little wooden uh bookshelf we had. Yeah. It was like so, one of those half half heights. And so I remember, I remember, I don't know if you recall this, I remember thinking, wow, did third roommate, because he had a habit of just mm-hmm. checking DVDs out of the, the little bookcase. I was like, wow. man, did he go take all of them into his room? And- <laughs> <laughs> Is he like sitting on them? What I mean, is he doing? <laughs> I mean, literally, it is not to, out, of, it is not too beyond the scope of what actually happened to say. We basically sat in our apartment for thirty minutes before starting to put Easily. pieces together. Of like, yes, wait a Easily. minute. I think someone <laughs> else may have been in
0: here. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> looking we looking
1: around at each other, like, did you do that? It's, <laughs> like, what you, well, where's that, where's that, my pizzas? Meanwhile, we're throwing shade at each other mentally. Like, why did Reed have to go eat all those pizzas? You know, <laughs> we're like, like why, why, did why did he they have to take steal all those DVDs? All... Yeah. <laughs> all you had to do was ask. Oh, you know, God. we are like, we're like the dumb three bears. We, yeah. <laughs> the three bears come home, is like Goldilocks been here. We're like, <laughs> <laughs> good night. Like, this porch seems fine. <laughs> Wait a minute. Why did I <laughs> step up on glass? I'm sure it's just normal. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh! Anyway, uh, you asked me about the others. Yes. As a horror movie at the time, I loved it at the time. Mm. Mm. Um, I know and have a, at least inkling of where you might be headed, which isn't a, a, a disparaging statement. It's simply sure, say, sure. it, uh, you know, I've got a little more mixed feelings about it these days for its content and possible theme, but not for its effectiveness. I think it. Mm. Even rewatching, and I was like, I mean, this is a an excellently crafted film.
2: Sure, sure. I and I would even yes, and, and and in that regard, I would not only agree. I would say it's a film that I do respect, yeah. and it's a film that I think, uh like I said, particularly some of the effectiveness of its frights are are among some of the best I've seen in films in the but last it is,
1: two decades. This is just coming to me. I'm sorry to cut you off there. This mm-hmm. is just coming to me because what is weird about the others? There's two thoughts here. One is. There's there's nothing. Well, that's not entirely true. I was about to say there's nothing fun about it, but the kids there's some true comedic elements to it, mm-hmm. especially with the son. Yeah, yeah. But I think where I'm going is it's it's never going to be one that you just are like, hey, new person, watch this movie. Uh, see, I don't know, I don't know. I'm, I'm sussing out some of these feelings clearly in real time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I think some of the thematic stuff that I imagine we'll get to is enough that it's cautionary on just the casual viewer, especially of our kind. Um, Yes. Yes. And I think what's unfortunate about it, this was the effect I was having, or this was the effect it was having on this most recent rewatch. And then we can move into specifics is as opposed to the sixth sense, the paradigm shift in this, it's, it's all built on that. Yes. And so, yes. So, from a suspense standpoint, once you know there, Mm -hmm. other than just effective film craft, there's not a whole lot else to sink your teeth into.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I think, yes. And, 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 and I'll, so let's go ahead and go into the, yeah. like, the, the, the premise of this. this. So the premise of this is this, uh, yeah, okay. and, and uh, I'm going to express the premise, then I have a couple of little trivial bits. So the premise sure. of this is um, there's a woman, her husband is off to war, um, Nicole Kidman, and her children suffer from, a, a, well, a unique condition uh, that is, uh, they're sensitive to light. They're hypersensitive to light and so if the light fatally so yeah, yes that if the light breaks in they're gonna they're actually gonna have such a severe reaction to it they could begin to hyperventilate and and actually die um and so she has to be very mechanical and deliberate when she moves through this house well the inciting incident of the film is that these servants sort of appear on the doorstep and she thinks they've been sent by this agency the servants uh are, are then hired and taken through the house and and there quickly begins to be this undercurrent that there's a spectral presence in the house. And uh, so they keep hearing, you know, noises of people who aren't there. And so you as the viewer are realizing like, oh my gosh, there, there, there are ghosts in this house. Um, and then I, I think it's okay at this point to major spoiler warning and just, yeah. and, and go ahead and just pull the Band-Aid off the, off the premise itself. The major reveal towards the end of the film is actually that Nicole Kidman and her two children are the deceased ones as are the servants and they are the ghosts in the house and who they were hearing is actually the living Mm -hmm. who have assumed ownership of the house and have been trying to sort of communicate with the ghosts through a a medium and uh, through these different avenues. Even hearing you describe it, this is an excellent premise. Yes. Oh, it absolutely is. No, it absolutely is. And that's why I'm so torn When I get to, and and we'll have this conversation in this episode, but um, that's why I get so torn when we talked about identity, and we talked about how identity is this pulpy, flashy kind of, uh, like, it's not asking you to think too hard. It's a story that is intended to be entertaining, built on a gimmick. To me, The Others is kind of fundamentally built on a similar gimmick that is... Uh, as you've already uh, expressed like it's it's a great premise that's a wonderful reveal but there is so much and and I don't think I'm hypersensitive to this I really was trying to be objective and trying to sort of get out of my own head there is so much I'm going to use this word very deliberately preachiness in the the layers of the film yeah. about certain ideological things that don't have anything to do with its premise that really I struggle with. And I don't even struggle with it because it's essentially propping up some um, agnostic and atheistic views. I'm not opposed to that in my storytelling. I, I There's tons of films that are really, you know, enthralling that have those kind of, I mean, I freaking was galvanized by hereditary, you know, and that's definitely got some some anti-religious sentiment to it. I think it's the way it goes about it for me because it is not really rooted back in the substance of the premise and maybe we'll get to a place by the end of this conversation where I feel differently about that but in the viewing of it I struggled with that.
1: Let me figure out how to word this correctly. Um, It takes more work to build a case that it's not anti-religious than it does to recognize I think it might be anti-religious you know yes, I, can, no, I can i can sort yeah. of get behind that and and honestly i think that was because there's part of me that can just plug in on the ghost story aspect of it the performance sure, are great yeah. the aesthetic i mean again it it is I, I do find great uh in watching it which is an interesting way to phrase this versus enjoyment like in watching mm-hmm. it i can find a lot to appreciate sure um but i can also recognize you know it to your point it is working very hard to sandbag the door of its premise yeah of its no, of yes. its idea no absolutely, um and absolutely. to the point and this can pivot us into some bits real quick if that's okay yeah i mean yeah uh i uh, uh the note i read was amenabar based a lot of the script on his catholic school education and right. literally the next note says he's now agnostic it's <laughs> <laughs> like yeah we True. Spoiler alert, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Paradigm um, shift.
2: <laughs> and it's funny because, like, when we walked out of the theater, I remember that is what we were at least partially discussing, and I remember trying so that hard what? in that, the 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 anti-religious aspect that I sure, had picked sure. up on, and I remember you weren't challenging me on that; you were just kind of you found it interesting that I walked away with that takeaway, um, and. And 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 I remember sitting there, trying very very hard not to come off as a prude, because I was like, in I don't remember the the exact dialogue we had, but I remember feeling in that conversation like I really don't want you, my friend of at that time, you know, around two years. I didn't want you to think that I wasn't mature enough in either my own beliefs or in my understanding of artistic sensibilities to not hold intention that like, Oh, well you can't make a film that says religious is BS. Like, no, I, I watch many, many films right. and love many of them right. that deal with some very challenging and confrontational aspects of religious
1: thought. Well, and to be fair to, to be fair to you, uh, it's not that I was that progressive then and high and mighty. Uh, it was more just, and I say this sincerely, generally speaking, I am, I receive out of a feeling orientation you receive out of an analytical orientation which is true yes yes. and so to you you saw the text and we're like huh to me i was like oh that was kind of spooky you know
2: (laughs) 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 this is what it is walking back to the car and as we're walking back to the car i'm like you know the more i dissect (laughs) the specific line items
0: you're like (laughs) let me be my pants <laughs> oh, be be
1: like, but I am your daughter, you know. <laughs> You're like well, one no, ass spooky Oh man, read. <laughs> oh, read, man. I, You're just, just I, just a d- blanket.
2: I just tried to have a fun time at the movies, and here you are talking about all this.
1: We can go back to the picture show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, that was a very earnest way that you just did. <laughs> oh, I love you for it. So, uh, but no, so, I,
1: I actually think that's probably what happened. Was sure, sure. You you were more astute. I was more <laughs> intuition, right?
2: Um, you know, and 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 there is a way. There is a version of this film that, yeah, if you if you can sort of unplug, which I honestly tried to do this time around and couldn't quite effectively do it. If you can unplug from that element of it, there there is. There's a lot of effectiveness to the film. Um, the aesthetic is great. Um, the you know, like, let's um, let's get into a couple more of these of uh, these trivial. things. at you
1: real quick. Yeah, uh, go ahead. I'm only doing that rudely because I want to give this note. Because mm-hmm. in the movie, watching it, I was like, did they make up this condition? <laughs> this seems like a That's very funny, very Hollywood thing to do. Oh, guess <laughs> what? You know, the kids are so sensitive; they're gonna like spontaneously combust. Um, but but like <laughs> will pop, like a <laughs> it's like it's like at the end of Ready or Not. It is just, just boop. Just just brainstone and dust. Um, No, no, but the disease the children have is an actual disease known as xeroderma pigmentosum, which sounds like a Harry Potter incantation. Doesn't it sound made up? It's so real, but it sounds so made up. Pigmentosum, not pigmentosum, (laughs) uh, which is basically an extreme sensitivity to sunlight, is very rare with roughly a thousand people in the world
2: yeah absolutely um, the only other thing that I had that I think is is substantial um, is uh, so Nicole Kidman was just coming off of a film I know you love Moulin Rouge I do. and she was Come reluctant <laughs> she was reluctant to do this project because of its darker themes um, and she claimed in interviews you can debate about whether that was to hype promotion for the film or whatever that preparing for the role gave her nightmares um, it is also interesting for me to note that it was executive produced by Tom Cruise, who was Kidman's husband at the time. Their romance was was pretty uh, you know, noteworthy and popular. They were like a big Hollywood power couple, um, and it would ultimately be their final project together in any capacity before their divorce. Um, and it, what's interesting
1: right. to me... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was you, just... You may be about to say what I was going to say.
2: Well, what's interesting, too, is that concurrently, Cruise was working on Vanilla Sky, and Vanilla Sky yeah i i'm not i'm not that fond of it either vanilla sky was a remake of uh alejandro Amenabar's film open your eyes um and would release just a few months after the others
1: so there's a lot of little like connections there but anyway yeah. mm. a little early aunts hollywood connections yeah. no i was actually gonna say the note i read is that she did actually quit during rehearsals yes uh, no i had read that yeah 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 no you didn't say it i didn't um, say it <clears> only other note i have that i thought you'd enjoy is the name of the gardener, Mister Tuttle, is the same mm-hmm. as the gardener in the Changeling. Oh yeah, I do like that.
2: Yeah, it makes you. me happy. Yeah, makes me happy.
1: I was at a home recently, and I was talking to this guy who clearly wasn't quite that interested in the wares. I was there to hawk to him. Um, oh, <laughs> I, just, I just talk about what I do. Get out like, of here when you're hawking wares. <laughs> hey sure i'm just trying to hook my wares to you um and he's like i won't have any of that we don't do that here <laughs> yeah we yeah, don't yeah. put into your kind <laughs> anyway the podcast came up and he was like oh you know i love the shining and i think he 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 dabbled in the uh illicit substances while he watched the shining according to his story but But he was like, "Have you heard of you know a lot of people have heard of the Changeling?" And I was like, "As a matter of fact, didn't care for it." (laughs) 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 And he's like, "You take your window, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna (laughs) throw your wares out and stay out of the Woolworth. (laughs) I'll Um. knock you off my front porch." Oh, uh, so yeah uh likes dislikes do you wanna
2: yeah uh, so my v- my very very first one although i you know i know you were probably had this on yours so you can chime in there are two characters that was a really nice surprise to see uh i'm gonna mention the one that you're probably not gonna name uh it was delightful to see mrs mills old eloise hawking who yep. at the time i would not have known who that was because mm. lost hadn't even aired yet um and so uh, the actresses uh feel uh, Fianua Flanagan. I don't know how, I know how to say the last name. <laughs> Thank you. But I don't know how to say the first name, but I just um, enjoy watching you try. And then who's the <clears throat> other, who's the other big surprise in this, in this movie that we wouldn't have remembered. Well, let's
1: be in it. Then it's old Matt Jamison himself, Chris <laughs> Eccleston, right. that right. handsome devil came wandering out of the fog. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> <Others>. <laughs> <laughs> He's so young and strapping. He is. Uh, well, t- it is primarily like he is he is quite young there i mean not like child young or teenager young but you know probably mid-20s or so young and uh it is his voice uh mm, that yes. is the is the major tell because, it's a very because at first voice. We we're watching leftovers i was like is that <laughs> is that matt <laughs> and, then, and then he did that kevin no that's <laughs> not that <laughs> I've been in that fog so ant, ant long. My oh credit my got good. <laughs> Make you wait fog.
0: <laughs> we ain't got a call waiting. We got yes. y'all
1: waiting. Dionula Flanagan and Christopher <laughs> of the House of Eccleston. I did write that this is a perfect movie for shelter in place. You got yeah. in quarantine. You got the mother, mm-hmm. poor mom, shut up in her house with mm-hmm. her kids. Like no wonder they crazy. No wonder they lost it but yeah like you know we got to sit here in our house all this time sure. yeah so oh, i did sure. think it was an ironically uh timely movie yeah, um <clears throat> we we sang the praises of liv tyler a few minutes ago <sighs> nicole kidman in this movie is phenomenal like yeah she's outstanding as as much of a hang up as i might concede about the the sensibilities not sensibilities the thematic content Sure, sure. She is almost worth the, the price of the film. Like, oh,
2: yeah. Just, and she carries it, too. Like, yeah. Like, the spooky aesthetic helps tremendously, but performance and character-wise, like, she, and, and that's not to take anything away from, like, Mrs. Mills, who's in many scenes with her and, and holds her own, but, yeah, Nicole but Kidman that's is just- still
1: support. I mean- Exactly. No, absolutely. You, you, you miscast Grace, and you don't have a film. That's it, right? Exactly. Um, um, yeah, she's
2: stunning in this film. She's amazing.
1: Uh, the kids are great. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: uh,
1: you know, cowardy custard, cowardy cowardy custard, fibber. <laughs> Doves are anything but holy. They poo on our windows. She pooped them. Um, so yes, <laughs> I- <laughs> sixteen years of marriage never asked me to poop on him.
2: Oh my gosh! My <clears> you did it. I didn't do it. Uh, it's, it's a good point um, okay
1: so did you I'll also be... catch what is another casting bit because nope. I don't go, know if you're it. steering nope, nope. towards go, uh, go, I, I am Catelyn so Stark Catelyn Stark Queen of the North for like a split second for real yeah she's the mom of Victor at the end Oh, wow, that oh, is right. Oh, I know. So here's what's funny is that... What's what, well, funny?
2: So, uh, so what's funny is I registered that I knew her from something. And you know that moment where you're sitting there like, where do I know that face from? Because she's significantly younger in this. Right. And so I was like, I was like, where do I know that face from? But I, di- I didn't I did do the research. About I, it. And, see, no. that thought pinged me, and I did the work. Oh, good. Yeah, see, I'm lazy. I didn't, right. do, that. No, that's, I didn't do that. We wouldn't have made it a four um, years
1: if it was just on YouTube.
2: <laughs> so... I uh, I do have some notes in scares because mm-hmm. the things that I do like about this film are in scares. I don't like much else other than Kidman, the general aesthetic. Uh, I do think the kids are fun, and it's fun to see those couple of characters. Um, but the things that I like about the movie it. are its frights. So, um, obviously, the the first big one that I wrote down is Victor in the Room. Like, that's the, the when first... He touches one.
1: his cheek? Ooh. Yes.
2: That's Ooh. the first one that I was like, oh... Ooh. Gosh, this is that's uh-uh. That ain't man, right. That ain't right. That ain't right. God, uh, but, my bad. But just in all. Oh, but just in general, the intruder moments, because that's what they call them before we re- we realize what they really are. They call them intruders, and uh, that every scene that that sort of revolves around these uh, mysterious intruders is really really effective. No so. kidding.
1: While I was watching this, mm-hmm. I think my wife may have been out. Uh, my three year old who. Getting her to bed at night these days is a bit of a challenge. Getting her to stay in her bed and oh, get yeah. to sleep is a little bit of a challenge. Um was was running around above my head. Oh that's great. That's like my son
2: walking out in the the room on me while I'm watching the orphanage. <laughs> I was like <laughs> with a
1: burlap sack on his head. You're like, What are you
2: doing? Where did you get that? Oh my <laughs> god. <gosh. laughs> we didn't buy One, that two, for you. Three.
1: Knock on the door. Oh, um gosh. Yeah, I love it is now I will again, I I will praise almost every choice in designing the film. Mm -hmm. Because in part, it is also fun if you know the end to use your imagination during the film of these, sure, yes. the, the, you called them the uh, the new occupants or residents or whatever, like the people who are trying to live in the house. like Yeah, the intruders. It's yeah. kind of cool to just kind of think about that every now and then as you're watching it. And sure, because it is a willy, uh, a willy. It's a willy well. It's a really, it's a really it's a really, it's a really, it's a really it is a really well executed um, <laughs> conceit. Yeah. Uh, <fibber.
2: laughs> yeah i i don't disagree i don't disagree and um so obviously like i'm gonna i'm gonna save the best scare for last and even let you name it if you want to name it so i'm gonna skip to the the reveal that the servants are really the ghosts is is like a really great twist when you see their picture the the Mm -hmm. picture of the dead you know that's a really great (laughs) twist and and sort of raises the stakes on the threat to uh, you know kidman and her children um, it's not one that's completely surprising because you you, you kind of picked up on before you realized that Kidman and her children are dead too. You kind of would, first time viewing, you might still pick up on the fact that there's something odd about these servants and then maybe the servants sure. are the, really the ghosts or, or whatever. Um, so that part was really cool, but I don't know if you would cite the same one, but I think a case could be made for among the top 10, if not top 10, top 20 creepiest you know are you mad? Most, yes
1: i am your daughter
2: one of the most that unsettling is... oh and for all that i would take this film to task for and for all that i might not recommend the film for that moment is a work of genius that that entire sort of sequence of her coming in, seeing an old lady in the dress that she had previously just put her daughter in, and the whole, she's talking in a child's voice and says, right. are you mad? I am your daughter, and, and everything about that. It is just
1: well, and a moment if of you if you, do, if you end up not watching the film, the the living are performing a seance Yes, that yes. the medium is now uh, occupying-ish. The, mm-hmm. the 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 body, the corporeal space of the daughter. Right. And so Kidman comes back in to check on her. She's playing with this marionette. And so you've got this old lady hand sticking oh up from God. under this, and she's Oh my lord. Kidman's like, What have you done with my daughter? Are oh. you mad? But it but the brilliance of the shot is you can see the face under it. And yes. all they've done is taken the young actor's voice and and Mm -hmm. dubbed over the old lady, but it is an old woman. There's no CG. There's no nothing, but it's just this old woman with this kind of puppet head kind of aesthetic going on. And it's, it is harrowing. Yeah. It's very, very effective. And now I will say it's, I agree with you that, that, that is probably the scare highlight of the film. Uh, I will say, Ray Ray, That painting of that pilgrim, dude. That ain't right. Yeah. Before the light (laughs) turned on again. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. I think the whole, uh, furniture the sheeted furniture room scene that's creepy creepy. no that's very very creepy yeah um Um, yeah and then just the last uh, a last one but again lesser than the ones we've been talking about um the music room the piano room oh yeah encounter she has is is really because again i think i think the strength of a strength of the scare factor of this film is its practical Mm -hmm. effect you know, yeah, there's, there's really, right. you know, I, I have no clue what the state of CG was at, in 2000. Although this is, you know, they could have thrown Jar Jar in there or something for all I knew. But is so mad? say I'm your daughter. <laughs> <There's> a, <laughs> <laughs> like George R. Binks, paranormal investigator. Oh. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah.
2: Now I'm just picturing George <laughs> R. Binks retroactively through all <laughs> of these different films that
1: we've got. <laughs> I'm not a racial oh, stereotype
0: at all. My
1: gosh.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You want to. Dive in
2: the deeps. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um. So I want to, you know, we've already sort of scratched up on the on the surface of my major problem with the film. I want to unpack it for for just a brief moment. I don't want to beat up on it, but I am. I do not respond positively either in films that affirm what you would call my worldview or films that challenge it. I do not respond very positively to films that tritely treat the ideas as if they are ridiculous ideas and that the filmmaker and storyteller is smarter than they are. Like my best example of a film that I love and we've done a whole episode about it. So I'm not going to just, just go back and listen to our episode on the wicker man. I love the way the wicker man. We know you love the wicker man. I do. So that's really funny. Cause I didn't even like that, but um, the, the way the wicker man wrestles with religious ideas both pagan and christian is so dripping with uh seriousness and i don't mean i don't mean hyper seriousness as if Uh it takes itself too seriously i mean it it treats them with respect it presents the pagan ideas in the film with respect of course it doesn't hurt that christopher lee uh, you know this this just regal actor Saruman. is the one, <laughs> is the one you know expressing them, and then you got Edward Woodward, who's no slouch himself. Did you uh, just say you know, Edward Woodward? Edward Woodward, I did. Um, so that's a film that treats the ideas seriously. I'm not going to throw Alejandro Amenabar onto the same shelf as this individual, but one of my biggest things that I just cannot stand about. The films wrestling with religious ideas of like Seth Rogen is because they just are saturated with the sensibility that he's smarter than all the idiotic people who believe this stuff. And it does not even attempt to understand why someone might take ideas like that seriously, as opposed to something like The Wicker Man which presumes that everybody who believes it has arrived at this belief with substance and with with personal history and then extends the character (laughs) dynamics accordingly right the the thing that i don't like about the anti-religiosity of the others is not that i'm offended that it's anti-religious again i'm not it's that it is so apparent in every scene that it's not even interested in the ideas it just thinks the ideas are ridiculous so it's going to present them. There is no moment in any of the the Bible lesson scenes or the, the random dialogue that they're having with Miss Mills about these very specific elements of their religious instruction. There's they're there's, going
1: to children's limbo.
2: <laughs> and it's like <laughs> there's and 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 I I get it that some people might find some of those doctrines and ideologies, you know, ridiculous and they 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 might think they're absurd. Um, but I don't respond very well to the fact that the film treats them as absurd. And then the button it ties on it is at the end when Nicole Kidman realizes she's a ghost and then they, they sort of ask her about like belief and everything. And then she just, she's like, well, clearly I didn't understand one thing I was talking about. That's not her line, but like Yeah, yeah. She, she that would have been a very
1: <laughs> modern American way to deliver that.
2: He looks at the kids, cameras
1: like... Kids it's like the Elmo they just they just superimpose the Elmo GIF on top of her you know
2: yeah. <laughs> the like, end it almost as well you know like Nicole Kidman's a very strong actor but it, it is almost like that's the line like she says like I didn't understand anything clearly I didn't know anything and that's like the resolution that it gives us and so that's the part of it that I find so frustrating in trying to sort of take the ideas seriously is I right. don't feel like the film
1: takes them seriously well you you you've got some good comps on the table of wicker man i don't remember beyond sausage party the rogan stuff what what else might you be referring paul, to um
2: which i actually don't think Is that Paul the, was seth rogan but i think he was he voiced the, uh, alien, the alien in in That's, paul and yeah and it's it's, it's got, got religious undertones or or very che- very cheap anti-religious sentiment because Kristen Wiggs character is like a hyper-religious person Uh-oh. who at the end completely
1: converts to this was all BS and and all right. that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah. Well, what's, I, I'll, I'll affirm your take on Wicker Man even though it's not like a favorite of mine. What Wicker Man does is posits equal forces. And I'm not yes. arguing in the real world good and evil are equal forces. That's not what I'm saying. No, what I'm saying no. in the context of the film, it's saying, these are two ideologies that these that the characters in these films take seriously. It's almost a what if, what if good doesn't win? You know what I mean? Like, and that's right. kind of an yes. interesting conversation. It is. Whereas it is. I'm going to use a an argumentative phrasing here that I don't know if I'm totally know what I'm saying. It feels like what a does is to set up a straw man, right? Like, yes, yes. He basically just says, "Let me build up this thing with the intention of knocking it down." Yes, um, which, which yeah, is kind of an unfair take, kind of an unfair treatment. Um, well, let me let me throw. I, I, I don't. I'm always conscientious, or want to be conscientious. At least I don't know that I always am. Uh, I don't want you to feel short shrift on the ideas you presented. I, I'm wondering if uh, the theme I <clears throat> that kind of jumped out at me this go round won't redeem the film for you. But no, I wonder if it will it will elevate the conversation at least. Sure, absolutely because because something that I found real interesting, and this is from you you cited the release of this film as you know at the 20 years ago, Mark, and and I mean my personal journey of faith, if you will, has so evolved in that time frame. And What I found interesting—I'll phrase it that way. What I found interesting watching it this time wasn't, oh man, poor Grace, what a dummy. But it was, what? What do we do, and how do we respond in the real? So this is kind of, I guess, if if it were my question for this conversation, how do we respond in the real when when the worldview we've constructed won't? hold reality mm, or yeah sure won't can't stand up to new information sure yeah and so i just i, I would wonder if we could hang out there a little bit because i think Absolutely. that was yeah. an interesting takeaway this time because because what i would agree and and maybe this is flash forwarding here um uh, fast forwarding here um you know, I I do think part of me would if someone's if someone's a horror fan and likes the general material, I think this is worth watching
0: mm-hmm.
1: with maybe some caveats there. Um, if only because I think it's so effective beyond its text. Yeah. I agree. Um. That said, what is hard is it is so as you've described laden with one talking point and yeah. so i find it interesting like i don't uh a minobar may be saying christianity is stupid and you're stupid if you believe in it right 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 me watching the movie is okay <laughs> it's it reminds me of the witch with how rigid forms yeah Rigid forms intended to be airtight never will hold. And I think, but I think what's fascinating about that point is and why it's easy for me to be, you're not not doing this. It's easy for me to process the others is because I can say, well, that's not God. That's not, uh, it is unfortunate and sort of small minded if and I'm assigning, uh, that's a big, a loaded phrase and maybe assigning too much ill intent on a minibar's part, but taken purely on the text of, of the, the assessment you've made of the film, which I think is there it's small-minded in its approach
0: mm-hmm.
1: in much the ways I would say in these days, I'm like, well, I'm not intending to get incendiary here or controversial, but in this conversation of rigid form that won't hold to new data for me personally for me personally um the 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 personal journey i've been on uh that that had a pretty calamitous experience of of organizational religion a number of years ago i um i'll quit beating around the bush here but Uh, The church we attended was very uh, resistant to to LGBTQ friendliness. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And because of history and because of association, familiarity, affection for that body, I kind of cowed to that. Like, even though there were explicit times and because of personal associations, I always felt a little uncertain about that. Yeah. Of course. Uh, about that choice. Um, yeah, right. And so right. when we ultimately left that body, an intentional choice was made that whatever we sought next was going to be inclusive and, and gay friendly. And so, the, you know, think what you will about that. Not you, but listener, think what you will about that. No, all I'm trying to say is it's not patting myself on the back. It was great calamity, bread, need for bigger faith. Sure. and i think so few of us um are and you see it everywhere so many people's cups are so small yes man and i think that's the that's the sadness i feel for the grace character again mm-hmm. the movie does pass judgment on her the movie passes judgment on her ideology, which is unfortunate, but the empathy I can generate for her is rooted in this is so rigid and so not fruitful and abundant in a way right. that, and that, that, that may sound easy and, and glib. I don't mean it to be that. I'm simply saying, if you can't allow room for your own person to evolve and your own sort of perspective to widen, um, you... You will, hap- you will have, you will have happened to you. What happened to grace, which is yeah. Yeah. it's so rigid. I can't handle, I can't incorporate new data for me personally. It was, I, I have come to a place, you know, it's, it's, it's no surprise to listeners, but you know, through reading through experience of full, uh, uh permissive inclusion with no strings attached to LGBTQ people in the life of faith. So for me, that was not a fly in the ointment. That's a, a an embrace. That's a that's a widening of the cup right, to, right. or of the table to to use that metaphor, mm-hmm. to permit what I felt like the Lord was permitting me to permit. That's right. a weird way of saying that. Biggest takeaway or point to be made here that I'd welcome some feedback on is simply: what do we do when the worldview, which though having echoes, and symbols symbol mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of faith architecture and faith language and read this is right. rampant what do we do oh, yeah we when when the ground you've built on is shifting sand this yes. is what happens
2: Nope. i could yes and and i will say that you know the value that can be gleaned from an exercise like this is you you just brought up the Witch. I'm going to try to say three things yeah. in, in quick succession because The Witch is another film. I, I love The Witch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, you know, I've watched it since does, we covered it. Does my it, just, comparison
1: make sense? Oh, completely. Completely. Okay,
2: yeah. And um, and the, the Witch is a film that I've rewatched since we covered it just, yeah. just for, you know, because I find it very fascinating and find it very, um, I don't know if entertaining is the right word, but it's sure. no, so it. provocative and compelling. Um, and I do think what's interesting about the film is The Film The Others or The Film The Witch? the film The Others, okay. is that it, and I'm going to get back to the question you posed in just yeah. a second, it I feel absolves Grace as a character, and only condemns her ideology, and the reason I say sure, it absolves her, yeah. is because Mrs. Mills is very tender to her at yeah, the end, yeah. let me make you a cup of tea and they, you know, they're going to be in the house, and that's you know, that's it, so, so it, it kind of affirms her as a character now that she's gotten rid of that ridiculous ideology Mm -hmm. and and so what i think you've identified that is not only an elevated conversation point but also a a legitimately quite helpful one to really sort of unpack and explore which is what we, we we aim for on the show even when we don't really respond positively to the material um and and i do think your use of the language is so Spot on. Of when the the foundation you've built your house on is shifting sand, and now calamity has befallen, and yeah, the foundation is just slipping out from underneath you, and there is that cautionary element to the others that I think is uh, I, I do think it's 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 genuinely valuable to challenge your own right sort of um and i've grown to be a bit uncomfortable with the world uh sorry with the word worldview um because i feel like this is an odd way to say this because worldview by definition is like a, an expansive sort of thing um but i feel like the use of it is really reductive i don't know why i cringe well, a little bit at the word framework. worldview. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And I'm not taking you to task for using that word. I'm just saying, like, there are people, because I used it earlier as well, I think there are people who um, they do, the the reason it's kind of appropriate is the way they view the world, literally. Like, the way they see what's happening and how that can be so insulated and isolated and compartmentalized. And I think what keeps me from really embracing the others as a film and in the way it explores that is simply the fact that i feel like it doesn't lead me to that it starts from that premise and then just shows me why it believes that way whereas a film like the witch or even like the wicker man sort of leads from hey but wicker man being like hey uh what happens when two uh world views diamet- you know diametrically opposed to each other collide the which is mm, what happens when that level of rigidity, you know, is confronted with forces beyond its control, and, and the center doesn't hold, and it starts right. to, to slip away from it. Um, and so, well, I, I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. Just my my yeah. only other statement is I I do think the elevated element of the conversation is we do see an an absurd amount of people right now who are so stubbornly opposed to acknowledging the flaws in their own perspective or the possibility that there could be a right, flaw right, right. to their perspective. And in that sense, yes, I do think, you know, a very sort of and it's ironic that her name is Grace and 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 uh, maybe not ironic, maybe very intentional. Um and that the other piece before I pivot it back over to you that I just don't want to lose that is that what happens at the end, they are quite literally letting the light in. They've been living in darkness. Sure. Right. They've been living in self-imposed darkness because the light is pain. And then when they realize, like, oh, no, the light is not hurting me. And and I would I would posit that to a filmmaker like Aminabar, the light to him is rational thinking, yeah. clear mindedness, uh, yeah. getting, getting out of superstitious ways of thinking, which is probably. Well, because she
1: even bad. says, how could people be so superstitious when she finds the death photos?
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so clearly there is an element.
1: <laughs> you almost expect Nicole Kidman to look up and go, ah. Just, just wink at the screen <laughs> how can you know? that
2: be so superstitious and then like you know like uh, he doesn't do thankfully he doesn't do the thing that like Shyamalan in Sixth Sense does and goes back and shows you all of sure. the yeah, yeah. that you should look realize. how superstitious
1: you've been grace <laughs> message message <laughs>
2: That moment can only happen after two decades of friendship. Yeah. Right yeah. That's, yeah.
1: Well, I want to, I want to, or, I'm sorry, were you done or do you, okay, well, I'm going to take, I'm not shifting away. I'm taking what you're laying down and, and, and molding it. I'm making moldy hand fa- gestures here. Um, Don't ever do that, not moldy me. hands, like your hands have mold on them, but whatever, it's I like, follow, a ghost. It's like the movie ghost. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> So many references this episode. I love it. Oh, it's it. so good. Um, because what's interesting about <clears throat> it, I would put I would put the others more in the camp with mother, mother. Oh, than mommy. I would yes. with the witch or Wicker I don't, man I don't because at all. because it and never blinks from where it wants you to land. Correct. That's absolutely and right. And how that would happen, I think in the others, because I was, I was pondering this where you're chatting is Ms. Mills never offers a competing ideology, correct? A, yes. a complementary ideology, something new to the mix. She's just waiting for grace literally to understand the situation, but also metaphorically to set aside the superstition. Correct. whereas i think something that happens in the witch that makes it so strong is not only does the film affirm the ideology black mm-hmm. philip yes mm-hmm. but it does offer challenges to the father's views yes it does i mean yes. i don't remember the son's name but the the vision he has mm-hmm. on his in his death throes i mean that is yeah. powerful no absolutely and yes. does more to make a more robust conversation within the film itself than the others ever even attempts. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And and I think, you know, my, my cynical self would be happy to beat up on this stuff for, for a while, but it is difficult as you put it to, to sort of in your comings and goings, like, so it's just fascinating. Like I feel like, what I try to do is offer complimentary conversation. Sure. Yeah, of course. Whereas so many people are happy to be grace and Mm -hmm. I worry that, you know, that that's not a, it's not sustainable. It's not tenable. Um, I remember, uh, i don't i haven't listened to it in quite a while but the bible for normal people podcast they did it was actually really tenderly done even though it was meant as critique um another organization much more traditional uh, i don't mean this is an incendiary or but fundamentalist type of organization had written a piece about two years ago published a piece on their website that effectively was like why if you're progressive you're about to be an atheist Hmm. actually wasn't too far from the title and and you know just super reductive stuff you'd read uh, knowing you and just be like oh uh, you know just just flimsy argumentation sure you know poor poorly intended you know i mean any time you start there yes oh absolutely when that's your lead i remember there's this i'm not even going to say his name but there's a Famous, there's an internet famous kind of militant Christian bloggy guy who his first book was like the three, the Trinity of Sin or something like that. I'm like, what a terrible first note, like that. That now I'm getting fired up. That is the poison in the well when your entry into the conversation is the Trinity of sin. I don't know that it was the Trinity, something like yeah. the unholy Trinity. That was it. That was yeah, it. I don't even know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, I will not listen to you. I'm not yeah. going to do it, which is not me being a transit, intransigent transient and It's me saying when, when there is no nuance, yes. I will, you, there is no invitation to conversation. And that's yeah. for both sides of the argument. Anyway, where I was going with Bible for Norman people is they offer this really interesting critique of that uh progressive atheist blog post this this very trafficked website uh, posted published but it was basically challenging it saying it isn't that if you're progressive you're going to become an atheist it's so many people were handled too small a table
0: mm. and
1: and and don't and once they start <laughs> once they start Knowing gay people, knowing Muslim people, knowing right. atheists, knowing agnostics, knowing anyone, uh, knowing African Americans, knowing whatever—fill in a non-dominant cultural identifier there. Once people start recognizing empathy, it's the 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 sand won't hold. No, absolutely. And I had it. Yeah, go no, ahead. You, uh, there's no, not much no, no. more other than just.
2: Please. No, so, so I had an experience that I actively like a lot of times proximity to our recordings, uh, you know, life bleeds into the conversation sure, sure. because it's what's on our minds and it's what's happened recently. And I wasn't planning to bring this up, but it's just the, it, it's too mm-hmm. there for the conversation. No, no, I wasn't. Um, but <sighs> I posted something to social media and my my premise was kind of a degree of what we're talking about right now, because I had been bothered for a really long time by the language of the choice between the lesser of two evils. When people use the language and they say, you have to choose the lesser of two, I was really bothered by that language. And so I was positioning in this premise on my post on social media, I said, that language is troublesome because I can't bring myself in moral consciousness to support any evil ideology. I I just, I, I do not accept the lesser of two evils ideology or that language right and i said it has and what i said was very personal in the post as many social media posts are intended to be i think um it but or it, when they're minded the way that you and i would probably approach things i said it has been helpful for me to pivot the language from the lesser of two evils to the lesser of two burdens because what that does in just that semantic difference is it recognizes to me that there is a gravity to our choices there's a weight that we are placing upon and that any choice we make is going to place weight somewhere either we are going to carry some degree of weight on ourselves as we unbridle our neighbors of it and the Mm -hmm. people around us of it or we are going to further push the weight away from ourselves and oppress it upon other people and so thinking about this idea of the lesser of two burdens has been helpful to me to pivot away from that, and here was what I found extremely fascinating because I did bring a bit of politics into the post, but where I got really challenged in the comments was by people who took it to mean, and in their comments, I'm mm-hmm. just gonna I'm yeah. I'm gonna be blunt and and Up if front. one of. If one of them happens to hear this I, and, and feels that I'm misrepresenting this, then they can reach out to me. I'll be happy to continue. Go to him directly.
1: Don't go to the website.
2: No, no, no. Don't do that. <laughs> um, you could email us and tell us what you disagree no, with. You can email him, <laughs>
0: not me.
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. At on Twitter. <laughs> that'll work. That'll work. Um, but they, they thought I was unwilling to say that the current administration was evil. Oh, that's, that's what they were taking me to task for. And it, it, it really fascinated
1: me because they were saying like, that oh, was the, me, everybody. He's calling <laughs> me out right now in this conversation. <laughs> no, you and that's the thing no.
2: is like they, they were, and, and what they were saying, and this is what was fascinating is they read in that, Oh, so you don't want to say that the current administration is evil. And what I began to try to dialogue about it is precisely what I feel like you and I are talking about here is like, I'm trying to elevate the conversation. That's a base conversation. Right. And whether or not I feel that way or whether or not I think that way, that's not the conversation that we need to have because it's not a productive one.
0: Right, because right. we
2: can speak truth to power and we can call wrong, wrong, and we can even call evil, evil. But the moment that you take this whole group and you say, well, that's just evil or that's just stupid or that's just whatever, well, now you've, you've led with that you've it's the unholy trinity title it's the why mm-hmm. if you're progressive mm-hmm. you
1: are right. uh, you know this about post- to be an atheist or whatever exactly that.
2: it's right. it's you are leading with the conclusion instead of becoming interested in having any sort of substantial dialogue you are only interested in making your case and challenging it and wanting the other side to shut up about it if they don't feel the same way right. and to me it was like no i'm the and, and i said this in the post i said the law lo- can't remember if it was the post or the comments but i said the longer we insist that evil good and evil are the language being used the longer we insist that the more ridiculous we find it that anybody would support the opposing ideology and while i may sit in my stance and find it you know difficult to swallow certain things that people adopt and certain pe- things that people embrace if i want to have any version of hope of of not slipping into the same sludge then I have got to be above that in my language and in my thoughts and I cannot be dismissive or reductive even if I would still challenge those ideas on those moral grounds
1: well that's why it's so hard I'm sorry to cut you up but no no
2: no you're fine you go ahead I want
1: to I want to talk not be monologued at I'm kidding I'm kidding I'm
2: kidding um (laughs) it took two minutes
1: I know I know I'm kidding um uh you know, one, I, I would agree with you. I think, I think that uh, claim is a bit misrepresentative of your intent there. And just as your uh, copy editor read, I would like to offer an alternate phrasing that might be more workable for you. Oh, and nice. That's yeah. the lighter of two burdens. Um, ah, right, right. Um, because I think... I am just playing
2: I, on the lesser words, but you're
1: correct. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Okay, you win. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think... I think probably your intention, and I didn't. I, I saw the post. I probably liked it, actually and literally. <laughs> um, and But I didn't follow the conversation after it. Um, I only do that when stones start flying because I want to pick one up. Um, That's right. Yeah, yeah, but was yeah. uh, a fight? oh <laughs> Grenades <laughs> in a backpack. Catch! <laughs> um, it is you know? I, I think I think the better takeaway there is just this is how you should approach life right yes what what, you know it's it's not did god ordain me to wear this shirt today it's what will the ways i use my resources how will those lessen the burdens Mm -hmm. of the most people because Mm -hmm. it's funny you know you said the person's like oh you're not going to call this administration evil uh my impulse because i'm a snarky sob would have been like i don't know did you buy from amazon today like you know like i mean there's I'm, I'm in the middle of, and it's actually a very short book. It's just, um, my reading is a little, uh, away from me right now, but a roar book I got off their website. It's called, what do we do with evil? And it's, um, and there's this really powerful statement in it that basically says, you know, w- the things we, we will agree to immorality when it, when it benefits us. Yes. Correct. And And, and which, again, I think, I do think it's a troublesome conversation to just suddenly be like, well, we all suck and we're all stupid and everybody's complicit in evil. Like there may be some truth to that. And I, and Roar definitely wasn't saying because of that, you should never make choices. No, it's more about, I keep thinking a lot about, um, what was the episode? where we were talking about the standing outside of the the system the orb this is the image that's coming to me this is i don't know 5 or 6 weeks ago hmm. but i think a lot about the self-awareness to step outside of the systems we're locked into yeah and how hard that is because you know would my tendency be would my tendency would maybe my impulse would maybe my um desire be to in the in the stream of this conversation call this administration evil yeah it would mm-hmm. is that super productive of a choice i i don't know about that i mean you know we'll, you and i believe it or n- listeners might not believe it or n- uh, believe it but you know we occasionally have conversations off pod and you can <laughs> attest to this <laughs> There have been times I can recall in the last few years I've called you burdened to say, at what point can we, what, at what point do we get to use the word evil? Not because I'm dying to here. Right. I know. I understand. Right. But Because my goodness, but the trouble you run into, and you know, this because of off pod conversations, uh, uh, as I've characterized people in my orbit on quote unquote, the other side, we're going to get called evil.
2: Absolutely. And then the conversation stops. Right. It's just it's just right. over at that point. And it's and about which evil you're willing to
1: right. dismiss. Right. Yes. And, and yeah. I, I, I lament to my wife sometimes, and this is not the conversation for this, but I'm like, man, what sucks about not being on that other side is this winner card. That likes to be played of the abortion word i'm like right but, you of know of course yes you, you i'm working to not dismiss and label like it takes energy and effort to to yes. exercise grace and compassion please utilize the same courtesy absolutely because other otherwise bringing it full circle here otherwise we're a bar and the others there's nothing yes. to be said yes. there's no conversation to be there's not a conversation being asked for there's right. a statement being made. They're explaining. They're not exploring, Reed. That's right. That's that's the thing. Man, I didn't even
2: stumble on that. See, you're... I know. You're good. You. You. But honestly, like, that's the issue for me is, is yes, I... First of all, I recognize not only my complicity, but my fallibility. Right. And the fact that I have things I, to learn.
1: That I won't recognize. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I ain't wrong. I'm kidding. Holy crap. <laughs> so, I'm kidding. But the, the reality that I have so much to learn and the reality that, and, and to me, understanding moral integrity means recognizing that, you know, I, I go back all the time. I don't quote him as often as you quote Roar, but, you know, my, my version of your Roar is okay. Chesterton. No, I'm just saying, like, uh, I don't cite Chesterton quotes as much, but I do right. cite frequently when he said, you know, he, he responded to the question from the newspaper that said, uh, you know, what's wrong with the world? And he wrote back, uh, dear sirs, in response to your question, what is wrong with the world? I am. Sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. And it was this recognition of the problem is here. Right. And, right. and if I'm going to chase the solution to it, I have to recognize wherein the problem lies in me and be self-reflective and then allow that to be the moral ground upon which I stand and challenge the things I see around me. And mm-hmm. then it is not a matter of the the Pharisee standing saying lifting up his hands and saying god i thank you so much that i'm not like all of these other people i thank you so much. and and that's the thing that really starts to get under my skin is the ways i will hear both sides of the political aisle or the ideological aisle be like man i am so glad i'm not like them liberals i'm so glad i'm not like them republicans or whatever and it's like that's all you look like to me is you look like you're standing there with your hands held high and your head held up and say, man, I am morally superior to all of you trash over there. And whatever reality might be true of the implicit wrongness or the explicit evil in some of the ideologies being expressed, the position I want to continue to keep myself in is knees, hand beating upon my chest, say, have mercy on me and let me recognize, not because I feel like I'm worthless trash, but because i recognize no i am incomplete in the sense of i am still in progress i am still alive dang it i am still learning i am still growing i have not arrived at some plateau that says oh well now this is it and i'm just gonna you know follow this constructed path all the way to Glory right, Land. no right. i am i am in a relationship right now i'm not in a power structure i am not in you know my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my son. It is fluid. It is vibrant. It is alive. It means we will constantly challenge each other. We will constantly be different. We will constantly learn things. There will be moments of frustration and calamity. There will be moments of profound beauty and joy. And that is faith to me and what I want to continue to embrace, not some morally superior your ideas over there are ridiculous and straight right right i want to embrace the full incarnational personhood of that and say like no there is something above this that allows me to see people who don't adopt the same view of the world that i have and be able to still god please see them as human beings and Mm -hmm. maybe they are approaching the conversation in a super ignorant or super reductive way maybe they are being fooled maybe they are being blinded maybe they are grace in that maybe they are absolutely sitting there and i want to have to bring it back to the others in a kind of a validating way, much as I disagree with the film's approach to these subjects, I want to be the Mrs. Mills in that conversation, who is patient with her, and who is tender with her, and when it happens, is willing to have a cup of tea and talk about it. And I don't like the way that the film you know, entertains these religious ideas, not because I wholeheartedly embrace those specific religious ideas, but just as we've already unpacked ad infinitum, i don't think that that's a substantially constructive way to go about the conversation but what i do wholeheartedly embrace is that tenderness that mrs mills has for grace at the end where she is willing to still be present and as matt jameson would say not in this film but in the leftovers uh, where he would say let's be in it then you know like let's right. let's hold hands let's let's join together let you know as the scriptures call out for different reasons come now and let us reason together let's Let's talk about this. Let's be in the relationship together and let's move. Because forward. what's
1: so fascinating about this, this thought came to me earlier, but it seemed irrelevant. And now it's kind of circling back around like the better form. And I think the truer form of what happens in the others is to say, you know, the, 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 the brain train here that just happened is you're let's be in it. Then call to mind this this foundation you're laying of relationship and i feel like so many people it's the unholy trinity conversation so many people are content to i actually like when i like i like the way this is done in the leftovers i'm using the metaphor here so many people are content to push each other down the well
2: yes right of course
0: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah neglecting that they're supposed to jump into Mm, mm -hmm. that, that if I make my bed in hell, there you are. Yeah. Right. The best form of the others is the thought I had earlier was, you know, if, if, if Christ can't be present in her purgatory, he can't be present anywhere. Mm. I mean, Right. Like yes, that's the essence right. of relationship isn't separation and, and setting aside
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's utter and imminent joining. Yeah. At every metaphysical sphere.
2: <laughs> yes. Absolutely. To
1: get really weird, you know? Absolutely. Anyway, that, that yeah. I don't know. Good conversation, Riri.
2: Yeah, I, I, I actually really, I yeah, we, I, I'm fine to to kind of leave it there and pivot into the fog meter. If you, if you, if you really, had more, I wasn't
1: trying to abort that. No,
2: no, no, no. I feel really, okay. I feel really good about what we've discussed. I feel very invigorated by it. It's been refreshing to me, given some of the frustrations that I've had, you know, about subjects like this. It's been refreshing to to reflect on this with my friend. So, no, that that has uh, has been good. So, you want to do the fog meter? Let's do it. Let's do it.
1: every episode we discuss, well, every film we put through the rigorous metric of fear and God, not too reductive there. Um, how scary a thing is, how substantive a thing is. I will start with fear and let you start with God. Um, I, 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 I think it's effective as a scary movie. Uh, it, it, um, especially, you know, kind of the inverted haunted house motif, um I'm going to go for a 7 okay. on the fear factor.
2: I'm actually going to join you with your 7. I think that's an appropriate rating. It's uh yeah, it's definitely effective and and you know we didn't hit it for very long, but that whole I am your daughter moment, that is I mean that is horror gold Are right there. Are you mad? <laughs> oh man. It is uh it is chilling and creepy and very very effective. So yeah, I'll join you in the with the 7. Um the God Meter is tough for me because I don't think there's nothing there, and I should be very explicit if listeners haven't already picked up on it that the challenge I have is not so much what this film is about but the way it's about it in terms of its thematic ideas. I'm not right. uh, you know, frustrated by the fact that it's an anti-religious film. I think it does so in a terribly, overly simplistic and reductive way, and that's what I have the issue with. Um, and so, so to that regard, I'm going to give this a three on the God Meter.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, if, if our dictionary our dictionary, if our definition of the God meter is substance, there's not any there. Yes. Right. Right. It is one note Mm -hmm. clanged over and over. Yes. Um, So, you know, I I will, I will partner with you in your three. You, you joined me at my seven. (laughs) I'll join Riri at his three.
2: All right. And that means that we give the others from 2001 by a uh, film by Alejandro Amenabar starring Nicole Kidman, Christopher Eccleston, that uh, Miss Flanagan woman whose name, first name I don't know how to say. Uh, <laughs> we give it a five out of 10 on the fog Um, which uh, feels kind of appropriate. But the trickier question, particularly given the conversation we've had is would you recommend the others?
1: I think I do. Um, I think especially if someone's not seen it, uh, because here's the thing i'm and you you aren't saying this of yourself i'm saying this for me i'm not offended by what i think it's saying i think sure. it's a bit childish in how it's saying it and yep. so that's the only hiccup and if anything i feel like it makes for a worthwhile conversation but in terms of the film I, I think it's quite effective i think if someone's never seen it just you know go go into it knowing okay it's you know it may build up this straw man idea but as far as what it does i think it does it pretty well from a film standpoint
2: yeah um i would have to just if if i'm being honest with myself i don't really recommend the others but i don't disagree with a word you've said that like if you're if you're looking for that chiller sort of vibe have not seen it um and you know are are okay sort of navigating, navigating around you know sort of a trite overlaid message then uh, then yeah it is it is very very effective um, i think if i'm being honest with myself i just uh, i i usually am pretty upfront about the fact that i don't care very much for the others when it comes up sure. in conversation so yeah. um, and i was i was genuinely optimistic that maybe i would feel differently about it this time around but it only further solidified kind of what i had felt about it and so uh so yeah that's that's where i'm at with that but that puts this uh, this penultimate installment of this phase of hashtag in the morning in the books. Uh, so next week...
1: Hey, we did not, we should reiterate here, we did not in our call to action reference uh, voting for 2020-2020.
2: Oh, we didn't. And yes, we absolutely should. So if you've made it this far with us, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please um, go to... FearOfGodPodcast dot com. Go to the banner at the top. Uh, click on the little button and vote for your favorite horror films of 2011 and 2012. The horror surveys are there, and we will um, be selecting after next week's episode. We'll be diving back into your favorite horror films from 2011 and 2012 with a specific conversation about one film from each of those lists. Um, in the meantime, next week watch the finale of season two of HBO's The Leftovers. That's it. No film associated with it because after discussion about that finale, we're going to head right into our feelings in general about season two as a whole. So um, join us for that. Nathan, thank you so much for being willing to have this conversation with me. I I really appreciate it as always. And uh, listeners, thank you so much for hanging in there with us for a bit of a longer episode even for us. Um, And as we say... Right. (laughs) And as... As we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We'll see you next week, everybody. See you guys. The Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest news and episodes, or for merchandise and to contact us directly. You can follow us on Twitter at thefearofgod, on Instagram at fearofgodpodcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork to Lee Wright, who helped me, read Lackey, write our theme music, and to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.